This is Allie Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a Black Christian Collective. In this episode, I discuss the Netflix series Voices of Fire, and you get to hear an interview with choirmaster Patrick Riddick. Stay tuned. Hey, I am so excited to be back on the mic and to be on another episode of Combing the Roots. Today, I have a special treat for you all. If you are anything like me on the holiday season, you probably eat way too much food. You have the opportunity to spend time with friends and family, which I hope you're doing so safely during a global pandemic. But you probably also do a lot of binge watching shows. I don't know what it is about this time of year, but for me and my family, I spend a lot of time watching TV. I think it has something to do with the fact that my that my spouse is off of work during that time. And so it's a time where we can just sit together and watch TV shows and have something to think and talk and laugh about. But that's something that we do. And it's, it's a yearly ritual. It's not that we don't watch TV shows throughout the year, but it's just that this special time we will sit and we'll binge watch a couple of different shows once we can decide what to watch. So if you're anything like me, you probably do similar and you might be thinking of, well, what is something that I can watch? Well, I would like to recommend to you the Netflix. It's a part docuseries, part reality show, part singing competition. It fits into to all of these genres, but I want to recommend a show to you called Voices of Fire. Voices of Fire is a competition that follows a group of people um, as they audition for a choir and this choir it's supposed to be the most diverse choir in the world that's what the person who is setting out to to put together this choir what he wants is for it to be the most diverse choir in the world and for it to be the best choir in the world and so some of the premise of this show is that since we're in such a time that is contentious and in such a time where there's so much division this pastor this bishop he wants to bring a choir together that can that can help bring unity and help bring peace and stuff in in the world and I think that it's a that it's a very very noble premise I should say and I probably should have said this a little bit earlier that this show while it is forms of it's about the formation of a choir it deals with some spiritual themes come up here and there um, it is set within the church world I don't necessarily see the competition as being overly churchy now for those of you who are familiar with the black church tradition you'll understand what I mean the black church tradition the black church that that's a it's a cultural thing it's a it's a cultural thing within the african-american tradition and experience and we can debate on whether or not whether or not that place as as kind of the the, the cultural um the, the cultural, I, I'm trying to think of the word to use for it, but the fact that the church culture is, is, seems to be ever present in a lot of aspects of black culture, we can debate about why that is. We can debate some about maybe the benefit of that and, and who, and we could talk about who that potentially excludes and, you know, different ways that that could potentially um, cause harm to some people. But the black church black gospel music those are things that are that are 
intrinsic to black culture and a lot of our references just a lot of the way a lot of our musicians in fact got their start in the church a lot of even the genres of music that we sing were first nurtured in the church and so you know that the church then sometimes will turn around and reject people um rejected you know different different singers at different points who decided not to sing church music and that's something that's definitely a difficult part of our history but church culture i think in the black culture tends to be um it tends to be handled a little bit differently than i think it is in other cultures and as more of us grow up or as more of us as more generations kind of come up and and come up outside of the church I think that this is something that will change but the way that the relationship that that I tend to see a lot of black folks have with the church is it might be you know you might not be a church person you might not really go to church you might not have any use for church but there's a lot of people who still have an appreciation for gospel music or have an appreciation for some of the the things that are that are found within the that culture. And so with that said, you know, I think that Voices of Fire does a good job of not being overly churchy. Yes, it does have moments where where people talk about their faith or where people might talk about some of their experiences or might talk about some things that are churchy, but it's really not one of those types of things where it's churchy and it's beating you over the head with the fact that it is churchy but it's something that if you are a a quote-unquote church person you can certainly appreciate what it what it says you can certainly appreciate the the message that is there you can certainly appreciate um some of the things that that different people say and and the the things that are that are shared the the testimonies quote unquote the the the, the um the vignettes the things that people talk about their their lives and their experiences we can certainly um appreciate those things but i think that even if you're a person who doesn't go to church or hasn't gone to church or maybe is even kind of like uh, I'm not too sure about the church I think that there's that there's something there that can be appreciated the singing on this show is just phenomenal there are so many great singers that they showcase and something that I really appreciated about this show is that it doesn't exploit people who cannot sing there are a lot of shows or a lot of talent competitions that will bring people on who are operating in realms that are not exactly their talent and they kind of are brought in to I think break up some of the monotony of the competition because you can only hear people sing um, the same song so many so many times and so I, I so I think that it, they're brought in there for that reason but it ends up kind of turning into where you're making fun of people for for not having talent and it can just or not having that specific talent and so it can kind of get into kind of yucky territory well Voices of Fire avoids that and pretty much everybody that you hear is a talented singer every every person that you hear is someone that you would want to hear sing um something else that I think is good about the show but it's kind of a it's kind of a sword that cuts two ways honestly it's the stories there are so many stories that are just riveting people telling about why they're auditioning telling they're telling stories from their lives telling things that are that are important to them and and hearing those stories are so many stories that are moving but I say that it's a two-edged sword because on the one hand some of these stories are moving 
But on the other hand, there is an element of it that that made me kind of feel queasy, I guess, because I as I'm listening to it, I'm, as I'm listening to some of these stories, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this person's story just kind of being used because it's a really good story? Is a really moving story? And does this does this turn it into, into trauma porn, which I don't think it's quite trauma porn. I don't think it's quite in that territory. But, but the way that these people's stories are being used is that is that really does that really accomplish what they want it to accomplish? Um, or it just it just kind of left me with a queasy feeling sometimes. And then even just kind of the nature of some of the stories that were placed in the center. On the one hand, um, there, there are a few disability stories there. Um, on the one hand that I felt like were, were good for there to be that level of representation. But then on the other hand, um, the way that the disability stories were shared kind of sometimes tended to be through kind of um, what maybe people would call like an ableist lens or, or even maybe maybe even not to not call it ableist but to say it's from it's stories of disability told through an able-bodied lens like cut and and put in cut and pasted and and put up through kind of an able-bodied lens. And so there were some aspects of that that kind of um, made me uncomfortable. There, there were some specific incident, inst- instances that I I think that if you watched, you would probably agree with me that you'd be like, ooh, gosh, they, they maybe shouldn't have. They, they, like just some, some different, some of it is just even in the editing where you have a person that tells their story and they have a disability and then you have a cut to a, to a commentary not on that person I don't think specifically but just a a piece of commentary from one of the judges in the competition talking about how we're all damaged goods and so some of the use of that of that type of metaphor um I can I think kind of kind of rubs the wrong way but overall like I said I think that the the competition is very good I think that it avoids a lot of the major pitfalls of certain reality shows of certain types of reality shows and so for this um episode, I actually had the opportunity to interview the choir master, to interview the person who was the one who directs the choir and helped to put the choir together. His name is Patrick Riddick. And in the next segment, you'll get to hear this fun interview. I had so much fun doing this interview, but you get to hear some of what he has to say about the choir, about his work. And it's just a really good listen. So stay tuned. It is so great to be able to hear from you. I enjoyed Voices of Fire so much. And so I just had a few questions for you today, if that's all right. Sure. My pleasure being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Um, So let's get right to it. So why do you think a choir like Voices of Fire is is needed today? I think it's needed today because with our current climate, the people need to be inspired, number one, to follow their dreams and to never give up. But also they need to realize that we truly are better together. When you step out and you launch out and and you include everyone, 
you truly create something that is magnificent. Oh, wow. That is, that's so wonderful. That's something that I was very moved by um, as mm-hmm, mm-hmm. watching the, especially the, the auditions. It, there, that was, there's something that was so moving to see people of different, of different shades of different hues from different backgrounds. You had people who were, who had um, a background rooted in, in country mm-hmm. singing. You had people mm-hmm. just, in just a lot of, a lot of different um, vocal traditions, a lot of different vocal um, uh, methodologies, mm-hmm. different things. And so that was something that was, that was really great to, to see and to hear on the show. So you have, you want to be inclusive of everybody in the show. This is something that Correct. you talk about. So how do you then as a choir master, I, I love that there was a point I think on one of the the graphics where they where they had had your name and had you as choir master, and you really just seemed to to be just totally in your element. How do you blend? How do you put all of those voices together that are coming from such uh, diverse stories, such diverse backgrounds? How do you do that? Um, really, it that was the greatest challenge for me, um, simply because it caused me to have to really dig deep and be stretched and be creative. And I had to really find ways to get them to understand. So every rehearsal was almost a a teaching moment as it related to um, the, what can I say, the the historicity of gospel music. And I would help them understand that a lot of uh, various other genres of music were actually derived from gospel or either inspired by gospel and how you could take your favorite, which may be R&B or it could be pop or something like that. And you can use it to understand gospel music and use it to execute it. And when they found their lane and I taught them to just be themselves, that they didn't have to be anything else but themselves because we're creating our own sound. When that sound came, tears began to fall, smiles you know, came on their face and they understood that they really had it. And it was just an amazing uh, realization. Wow, that is so great. Whenever you talk about the the tears falling and just having that moment where where you're connecting with the music, as I was watching, there was a there was a moment. Um, it's actually it opens the entire series and then the series revisits it. Um, but it's the it's the moment where where that person is singing. Um, Jesus loves me. That that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was so. I was so moved to tears. So, whenever my question for you is is whenever you are in that space of trying to trying to develop that choir, trying to develop those voices and to get them to to that that musical moment that you, mm-hmm. that you have, um, backing that up to the audition room. What are you What are you looking for in that audition room in that moment? In that moment, it was a given that if you made it, you, you know, you had a, a great voice. But I was looking to see those people that genuinely exhibited a team spirit, uh, those that really wanted to learn, those that really wanted to do something beyond just trying to assert themselves or, you know, push their individual singing agenda. Yeah, that's that's really that's really great to be able to take that individual and then mm-hmm. to be able to to make them part of a whole and and so well, is correct. There, it's like you're almost able to identify in that person in that moment are they mm-hmm. able 
are they, as what I'm hearing you say is like, are they able to not just have a great voice, but are they able to be a team player and to play a role within this, within this larger That's right. Wow, that, that is that is tremendous. That is absolutely tremendous, especially given some of what we had already discussed with just the different <laughs> moments and stuff that that happened mm-hmm. where there's where there is um where you're bringing together so such a diversity to be able to to discern that from as early is is tremendous. One of my mm-hmm. favorite moments of the of Voices of Fire came when you were directing the choir. It was, it was the performance night. And there was a point where you had them singing. And so you were directing them and doing the cutoffs. And there was a point where you kind of tiptoed across the stage and, <laughs> and, and, they're, and they're singing the moment. That was, that was one of my favorite moments. So there was something about that moment that was so that was so black that was so black choir director that <laughs> I, I loved that moment so much um so can you can you tell me just a, a little bit about that moment in particular but just even your style as a director you just have so much pizzazz so can you can you talk about that <laughs> honestly we call that um we call that 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 technique chopping and chopping is when it's almost like you're chopping or you're hammering out the words or the syllables of a song. So on that particular part of the song, I believe we were singing it as well. And they were following you. They were saying it, it is, it is, it is well, it, 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 it. Okay. So with every it, I'm taking a step and I could have done it with my steps or sometimes I would have did it with my hand. I would say it, 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 you know, waving my hand. So that was the chopping style. And that's one of my favorite techniques for directing. Um, I was inspired by the late great Benny Cummings, Orlando Draper, Ricky Dillard, um, and Maddie Moss Clark. And they were very well known for using that technique. Myself, I add a, a little bit of extra animation in it because it's just really me. When I get in the zone and, and I'm directing and there's music going on, I'm really at my happiest. I'm, at, you know, the joy is just kind of bubbles. So sometimes you see me, I'll, I'll laugh in the middle of the song. I'm laughing. It's not because something is funny, but it's just what's on the inside and bubbles out. And so when I'm doing that, I'm really having fun. Like I'm really having fun. And then I'm pushing the choir to the limit because, you know, when I first taught that to them, they did not understand what I was doing. They didn't know if they could do it. A lot of them had never sung gospel before, never been to church before. And so to see that they got it, now I'm going to say, you got it, and I'm going to push you, and I'm going to show you just how much you got it because you're going to be able to follow me to a T. And that's what they did. <laughs> and they they really, they really did. I I have seen that technique. I've heard that, but I had never heard the term for it before. So that, <laughs> so that, that, that would be like, now next time I see it happen, I'll be like, oh, oh, they chopping. Like that's, that's what <laughs> yeah, they yep. call what, it chopping. Yes, I am. Mm-hmm. I, I am so happy to to learn that that technique. Um, speaking of fun, um, something this is this is such a weird question. And I apologize before ahead no, of but this is but you talk about fun, and something I really loved about the show was your wardrobe. Um, there was a point. There was I don't know if anybody's asked you about your wardrobe as you as you've done this, 
but I really liked your wardrobe. And there's there's particular, there was a moment um, where you had gone out to to talk to one of the choir members and just to, just to check in with them and make sure that they were doing well. And you were wearing this vest. Now, I, I have a bit of astigmatism and I was watching it on a smaller TV, so I couldn't really see, but it looked like your vest had palm trees on it. And, and maybe that wasn't, you're probably be like, girl, that, that those were palm trees. That, that was like, whatever. Yes. No, it it was it was a um, I, you know you remember the Hawaiian shirts everybody was wearing, so that was like a Hawaiian princess. Okay, okay. And there were and so there were palm trees and all that on it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I, I absolutely love your style. So my so my question in all that first of all is is where do you shop number one and then second of all um just how does that reflect kind of as you how do you is, is your is your style your outward style a reflection of who you are as a, as a choir director and what you bring do you do you typically dress like that whenever you're in front of a church like what 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 what's with all that i'm I, well first i shop anywhere i do have my favorites um anybody knows me knows Gucci is my absolute favorite, but I love to go to places like TJ Maxx, Dillard's, uh, Zara, uh, you name it. I don't have a particular place because wherever I go, if I just see something that I like, then I'm going to buy it. It could be at a thrift store. I, I'm known to go to go to a thrift store or, or to a vintage shop. Um, so there's not a particular place. I do have cities that I love to shop. I love to go to LA, New York. I love to shop in Scottsdale, Arizona as well. <laughs> That's like a secret place. I love to go to Houston. So it just depends. But as it relates to my dressing, I, you know, listening to you say that, I will say that that, that does represent what I am because I, I've been told that I, I am very animated, um, slightly flamboyant. And so my dress, um, really shows forth that and it's particular because I'm a very particular person. I'm very particular about every little thing, you know. So even with even with my dressing, it's it's intentional. It's it's calculated. It's thought out. It's not just oh he just happened to throw it on. No, I already thought about it. I probably laid it out or in my sleep I was thinking about how the outfit would be. Um I just love dressing. <laughs> oh wow. That's that's great. But yeah, that 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 outfit gave me so much life. I was looking up like, hold up. Are those Paul Everybody are those everybody kept asking me about that outfit. Yeah. And you know you know what's so funny? I got that vest on a clearance sale online with JC Penis and it was two dollars. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yes, but you you were wearing that vest. I I, I loved it. I loved it. But you talk about being just very having very much um, attention to detail, and I can see that reflected in your style. I can see that I'm, I'm not. I don't consider myself overly detail oriented, but something that I had noticed just in particular on some of your spots and some of your interviews, um, like like there was a point I think where you're being interviewed in your house, and I could see in your house like your decor was was a very was a certain. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like you are a very kind of detail oriented and aesthetic oriented type person. So my next yeah. question for you is with, within that, being very detail oriented, being very aesthetic oriented, that obviously is something that um, is important to being a choir master, to being a choir director, to, to hearing all those voices and hearing all them match together. So how are you able um, to, to, to balance that those details with the big picture because a choir 
is a is a is a big picture. It, it, it's almost like you're capturing different snapshots within that that mm -hmm. make a larger picture. So how do you balance that in your work? Um, that's a good question. I kind of look at it all the same. Um, when I think about how I'm putting together my outfits, textures, tones, colors, um, fabrics, what have you, it's the same thing with my quiet. I'm I, I see what I hear, I see it. It's just making sense. So, you know, I, I I hear the sound of the quiet as it relates to light and dark color tones. And I'm always adjusting and I'm always moving and I'm always adjusting so that my picture that I'm painting on the canvas comes out to be the picture that I want. I know what my picture is going to look like before I start painting. So now my choir or my singers, they're my paint. And my hands are the brushes. Wow, that's a really that is a very great illustration of of your work as a choir master. Um, I also wanted to ask you so just some more about some of your work, some of what you what you do as a person that you're you're in the church. You've been do, you've been doing this for a very long time for for most of your life, um, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. From from the show, um, that's something that the, the the work that you do it, it seems like a, a day in and, and day out of coordinating a choir of having those those moments where you're where you're really having fun where you're, where it seems like you're doing what you were what you were born to do, and so in that, um, how do you take the different moments that you create? on the stage that you create with the musicians, with, with the singers and all that. How do you take that and bring that moment to a place where, like you said, the, the tears fall, where people feel that that quote unquote something, and, and we know what that something is, mm -hmm. but how do you take all of those pieces to get to that point? I simply tell people because this is what I do to myself. I say, let the music live in you. And then you in turn live in the music. When you begin to find your place in the music, it's, it's almost like you're flying. Um, any, any problem, any worry, whatever, any frustration, um, even when there's nothing going on, um, Music will then also provide a way of celebration. If you just get surrounded and covered completely by the music and then you put yourself in it, what's on the inside begins to come out. People will notice it. They will see it. They will feel it and they will hear it. And you will also. And that's how you find that place where the tears begin to fall because it's organic. It's, it's, it's spiritual. It's, it's your language to God. It's your way of encouraging and inspiring the people. Um, because I say it all the time, people come to concerts or they watch TV and people may have different concerns or whatever that's going on. And music is one of the only things that I know, uh, besides great ice cream, um, that can just really make you smile. It can make you cry. It can make you laugh. And I get up every time and I purpose to make people cry, to make people laugh and to make people smile. And if I do that, I demand that all of my singers do the same thing. Wow, that's that's so that's so touching. 
to be able to touch other people in, in such a way that is significant. And music is mm-hmm. a universal language to be able to do that. So my final question for you, related to that point of being able to to touch, of being able to to, to help, it really sounds like music is something that you find healing and that even through your music, I I don't know if it would be accurate to say that maybe through your music, even being able to help other, other people to be healed. And I remember in the show that Pharrell even made the, made the comment of somebody's voice. He was like, that's like a voice where, where, you know, cancer can come out, it could come out of the body. Mm -hmm. How, I I thought that was, that that was, that that was such a tremendous statement. So how do you, as you're directing this choir where you're essentially, you're sharing the black music tradition with people that not everyone there is black or not everyone Mm -hmm. there has a root in the black church, Mm -hmm. has a root in that tradition. So how do you use your music? How do you use your gift as, as a choir master? How do you use that to first of all, be able to impart the culture to people, but then also to bring that healing. Cause a lot of this, you know, as it, as the documentary, as a show was being, was being filmed, it's happening in the midst of great racial tension in our society. Mm-hmm. So how, do you, how do you bring all of that to, to a moment in, in your, in your work? Oh, I, I think it's really simple. We concentrate on the music. Music is the only universal language. An A-flat here in America is an A-flat in Tokyo, Australia, Argentina, Brazil, the Netherlands, wherever you go, an A-flat is an A-flat, a C is a C. And those people showed up because they want to sing, they want to make music. And when we came in, we let it be known, we're here to make amazing music. And in the midst of making music, and becoming a team, you're talking about 75 people that literally fell in love with each other. And we're all from different places. Some of those choir members are so dear, like the one singer, uh, Maria Robbins, and I have to be careful because I I find myself being so partial, but that is my friend. That is my sweetheart. I would have probably never, and I'm not by any means uh, uh, racist or anything, but a lot of times when we do our jobs and we go, we go, we kind of just tend to operate in our circles and the same people that we always operate. But this choir caused me to be able to form relationships and meet people that I may have never met otherwise. And now I'm sitting here trying to imagine my life without her and without some of the others. And it's truly amazing. And then the fact that we get to make music together and the music is unlike anything I've ever done because I'm working with people in different people from different backgrounds that I've never worked worked with before. So it's just a new recipe. It's a new sauce. It's just got a different taste altogether. <laughs> wow, that's tremendous. Thank you so much for your time, Patrick. Thank you so much. I could I could talk to you all day just about your craft. And thank <laughs> you so much for giving us just a little buffet sampler dish of <laughs> what of what you have to offer. Yes. Yes. Thank you for having me.
that was such a fun interview. I had so much fun interviewing Patrick. I had so much fun talking about his wardrobe. I felt like that was probably my favorite question because I just really needed to know where he got that Hawaiian print vest. I just, I just really needed to know the story behind that. But I hope that you enjoyed hearing this interview. I hope that you enjoyed hearing me talk about Voices of Fire. I hope that you'll add it to your binge watching list. Like I said, I really enjoyed it. I'm the type of person that I like to put people on to stuff. And so doing this interview, having the opportunity to watch the show, it was, it was great to be able to put people on, that have the opportunity to be able to put black people on to black entertainment that might be out there. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope you enjoyed the interview, like I said, and I hope that you enjoy watching Voices of Fire. See you next time. This has been Combing the Roots. Special thanks to producer Joshua Heath and executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AllieHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writer's page. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm your host, Allie Henny. Peace. <laughs>